You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome back to the NIL Hotline. Galen Clavio, Olivia Clavio joining you once again. Happy first week of May as we are into our second month officially of the podcast. Congratulations. How are you doing today? I'm great. It's the month of May in Indiana. I can't ask for anything better, can you? No, it's, you know, the weather's starting to get better. We got the the race coming up at the end of the month in Indianapolis, which should be a lot of fun. So um, lots of things going on in NIL, obviously, as we continue to see story after story. A lot of things that we will be diving into over the course of the next couple of weeks. But something that caught your eye that we want to talk about today deals not with the collegiate level, which I think is where most of the interest in name, image, and likeness is at, but actually at the high school level. So, Olivia, go ahead and, and let's tee it up and, and start talking about it. Right. So, um, currently, the North Carolina High School Athletic Association is getting ready to vote on name, image, and likeness deals for high school students. And I know that this has been a really hot topic of debate. So I really want to get into the pros and the cons today of having NIL deals for high school athletes. Um, And, you know, I think for me, just starting out as a parent, so I've got two boys, I've got a 10-year-old and a six-year-old, I do certainly think about their, their future and the different kinds of opportunities that might be available to them. And frankly, we've talked about this before. This is nothing new on this podcast, but it's a whole new world out there. It's a whole new environment. And Galen, you've studied social media, especially in sports, for the better part of over a decade now and have watched how um, athletes especially have been able to build their brands over time. And my question for you is, have you seen successfully before NIL deals started any high school athletes that really built themselves up before they went into college? And what did that look like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the high school space has always been an interesting one because so much of what has happened historically at the high school level commercially has been dictated by this idea that you have to be perceived as an amateur by the NCAA in order to qualify to play college sports. And so we've seen a lot of situations where athletes at the high school level could have very easily monetized themselves but didn't because they didn't want to endanger their potential amateur status. And so that ended up as a big restraint uh, on trade, I guess, for lack of a better term. It, you know, it's it's a restraint on the approaches you could take as a 15, 16, 17-year-old. And you know, I, I'm sure that there's some people in the audience who are like, well, you know, of course they shouldn't be doing X, Y, or Z. They're only 15 or 16 or 17. And yet you think about it, it's like, well, we got 15, 16, 17-year-olds bagging groceries and working at Lowe's and working regular jobs. Now, you can do that as an athlete, but the idea has generally been, well, you can't make money off of your athletic prowess because that would be making money off of your athletic prowess, which is viewed as professional as opposed to amateur. I did a research study with Evan Frederick, who's a professor down at the University of Louisville, several years ago. This would have been, I think, 2014 that we did the study. And we were looking specifically at the ESPN 300, which is the top 300 high school football recruits coming into college for the following year. And we looked specifically at their social media presence, looked at Twitter, looked at Facebook, some other outlets. And 
a couple of things really struck me when we did. And keep in mind, this was almost a decade ago. Uh, a couple of things struck me. One of them was that most of these athletes, even then, had a immense social media presence, 200, 300, 400,000 or more followers for the most popular of these athletes. They were leveraging social media in a way that was essentially kind of parasocial in nature, uh, parasocial relationships for those who aren't familiar. If you think about like if you've ever had a family member who watched soap operas and felt like they personally knew the people that were in the soap operas or, you know, would write letters saying, I can't believe that, you know, so-and-so is doing this. That's essentially a parasocial relationship. It's a one-way relationship where you, you know, a consumer thinks they have a relationship with somebody that they see in media. And that's what we were seeing to some degree with these athletes where they would be getting tons of messages, comments, replies. They would not very often respond to those individually, but they would post things that were broad and general and intended to communicate to this broad audience that they had. So there was clearly tremendous business and marketing potential in those audiences. And a lot of what we talk about now with name, image, and likeness and the ability to capitalize off of an existing social media audience, that's been around for a while. It's just that you couldn't do that without potentially incurring the wrath of NCAA enforcement policy who would look at your activities and say, well, sorry, you made money off of being a football player. Therefore, you can't play at this level. Uh, and so when I think about high school, I think about the idea that many people out there do not perceive high schoolers as having market value. They don't perceive high schoolers as um, you know, even people that should be in this business to begin with. And yet they clearly have market value, particularly in places like Florida and Texas and, and some other southern states where high school football is really popular, Indiana with basketball. Um, and, and so it creates this kind of, uh, you know, as we've seen with college athletics as well, it creates this, this um, disconnect between perception and reality where the reality is this is a marketplace and just like child actors and other people that are working on that labor level, um, you know, being 18 doesn't necessarily have to be the dividing line for being able to, to capitalize off of a marketplace and an audience that's there. Exactly, exactly. And I, I think you did touch on a couple good points, one being that high schoolers very often have jobs. And some of the commentary I've at least seen around North Carolina, not just North Carolina, but but other high school uh, NIL conversations is that they're afraid that this is a job that would take away from the educational part of high school, which is the same argument you hear about college as well, though less so in college, because I do think that most people watching college sports know that it's essentially a full-time job. I, when you're I, a, I actually, a, I don't think people know that. I, I really don't. Uh, but anyway, go on. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, but most teenagers are on some form of social media anyway. They're already building their audiences up. And, and personally, after kind of reviewing all the pros and the cons, I've really come out on the pro side of letting NIL occur, especially for high school athletics. Now, there's definitely some cons, and you and I can you know debate this if you want, but of course we're dealing with minors, which means we need to have a competent adult that's assisting the minor with these deals. Now there's all sorts of inequities in athletics from the five and six year old level all the way up through collegiate athletics. 
you know, access, money, training, coaching. These are all things that can very much affect how an athlete performs. Um, but you do need to have a competent adult because minors can't enter into contracts. So you need someone that's able to review those contracts and help them make those decisions. Uh, taxes for the money that they're making that also creates a lot of issues you know, for them on the tax side of things. Uh, according to the North Carolina uh, NIL deal that they're about ready to vote on, there are penalties if the high schooler makes a mistake and mentions the school that they're associated with. They have a 60-day suspension, which is a really long time for high school athletics. Pretty draconian, and yeah. <laughs> pretty draconian for perhaps a, a, you know, a high schooler mentioning where they go to school or maybe wearing a shirt about he- where they go to school. Heaven forbid, yes. Yes, heaven forbid. But I think the one for me, and, and I have the same problem with, with collegiate deals, is the disclosing of how much of the deal is perhaps what they're making, the terms of the deal to the athletic associations, to the schools, even to the colleges, you know, on the college side is, um, you know, typically when you have brand deals, those deals are not public. And um, I really do think that if they're going to have deals for high school athletes, at least on the legal side, and of course, I'll throw out my quick disclaimer that, that these are just my opinions, it's not legal advice, but um, you know, I'm very against having those terms be disclosed. Those should be private contractual terms um, between the high schooler and the brand. So there's you know, definitely some cons, but I think on, uh, you know, on the other side of things, Long, long ago, I think most of us millennials uh, have complained about the fact that in high school, there seems to be a lack of real world education in terms of business and managing funds. And I think that this is a really, really great way to help teach minors about business deals, money, entrepreneurship. So I think there's a lot of pros to this. What are your thoughts? No, I agree. Look, there's there's two different strains, I think, to to keep in mind with all of this. The first is that a lot of the protections or restrictions related to high school name, image, and likeness ability is protectionism on the part of state legislatures to try to protect high school athletic departments who view it as a potential threat to their revenue streams. So a good example of this, when Texas – created their original NIL deal. They allowed college athletes to capitalize on NIL, but they they forbid or forbade high school athletes from profiting off name, image, and likeness, which led the number one quarterback recruit in the country who had committed to Texas, Quinn Ewers, to graduate early and go to Ohio State where high schoolers or, or people of that age – well, actually, I think at that point he wasn't a high schooler anymore, but – he was able to profit off of name, image, and likeness even before he officially started college, and he made a lot of money. He was there for a year, then transferred back, and now he's at Texas, and is the starting quarterback going to, into this upcoming season. Now, why did that all happen? Uh, you know, I think to a large degree, it gets presented as well. We have to protect the kids. That's always, you know, won't somebody think of the children? That's always the the mentality with anything that actually has more to do with protecting the adults and their wallets. But in this case, I think it really was, uh, you know, an approach of High schools are constantly focused on earning revenue off of their athletics programs, and and many of them have budgetary issues, so I understand where that comes from. There's no problem in a lot of these state legislatures with throwing 
the commercial rights of minors overboard because they don't vote. And, you know, they're not really constituents in the traditional sense. And it, it's such a small proportion of the population that, well, it's like, who's going to get upset about that? You're going to get a lot more people being like, good, I'm glad that they're making these kids concentrate on school, even though that whole argument is essentially BS. Um, but the other thing about this that I think is important to keep in mind is that as you, you know, one of the issues that we're going to come back to over and over again, whether it's at the college level or the high school level with NIL is there is so much infantilization of athletes in the United States. We treat them all the way through, even when they're seniors graduating from college, like they're kids, like they're they're not capable of making their own decisions, that they're not they, – they haven't earned the right to make money off of what they do because in a lot of people's minds, playing sports is a privilege, not a right – even though that's completely out of step with how sports at this level that we're talking about really operates, where it's actually a privilege for the schools to have athletes of a certain talent level playing for them in the first place. And, you know, it's I think it's at its worst when you talk about NIL and high school, because we don't do this with actors. Child actors are treated like adults. Now, yes, they have representation uh, you know, generally they have either their parents, which can be obviously a mixed bag sometimes, uh, but generally there is some kind of representation that's there negotiating deals. And a lot of that's because the the entirety of Hollywood is unionized in one form or another. There, there are, you know, specific set in stone legal definitions of what you can and can't do, what the contracts have to look like, uh, because we've been dealing with child actors for the, you know, the essentially the entire history of cinema and the entire history of stage acting. We haven't been doing that with sports. And, you know, so much of the, whether you want to call it maternalism or paternalism or whatever around sports and the way that we run it, it's like, well, the adults should be in charge. When in in some cases, and I think many, you know, perhaps in many cases, the adults are the ones that have been exploiting the athletes, whether it's at the high school level or at the college level. And there's a real concerted effort to maintain the status quo of that. And so when I look at this, like, why should we even have an NIL bill for high school? Why shouldn't that just be something that a high school athlete has the right to, just like a child actor or a child musician would be able to have rights to earn money off of what they do? Again, I keep going back to it. Why should it be different just because you play a sport? That's the question with all of these laws that I think never really gets asked when they're being debated. I agree. I, I do think that perhaps the the overview of, uh, if you want to call it exploiting child athletes, probably comes from, as we brought up last time, gymnastics. Yeah. So the one gymnast I really think of who was overly exploited was Dominique Bocciano during the 1996 Olympic cycle. She was only 14 years old. And the amount of deals that her parents had her endorsing and sponsoring, you know, in combination with the Olympics and her coaches and the fact that she was actually injured. I think things like that linger in people's memories as to how, um, you know, child athletes can be exploited because they are at that point really under the guidance of coaches and adults, whether those adults be their parents or their grandparents or some other kind of legal guardian. And time and time again, we've seen this in figure skating, we've seen this in gymnastics, we've seen this in tennis, where youth in sports is a little bit more common. 
um, you know, at the pro level. So there's, you know, there's a bad taste, I think, in some people's mouths about how, how child athletes have been treated in the past. And I do think it's going to take some time for us to level set, having high schoolers be in charge of their own athletic um, sponsorships and endorsements and having the ability to have a say in what they're yeah. doing, controlling yeah. their social media, controlling their image. And it, it, it'll take a little bit of time, but I do think eventually we'll get there. I mean, and look, the, no question there have been child everybody that's been exploited. Child actors have been exploited. Child musicians have been exploited. You know, athletes that are children or minors have been exploited. My counterpoint to that would be if the adults in the room are supposed to be the high school coaches or the college coaches, I would just, you know, broadly gesture to Larry Nasser. I would broadly gesture yeah. to – um, you know, uh, Jerry Sandusky, I would broadly gesture to a lot. I mean, the, the idea, and, and this is where I, you know, is it, is it, uh, can you step in and fix those things? Unfortunately, no, because parents have rights with their children in terms of managing their business opportunities and managing what they're doing that the child doesn't get away from either until they turn 18 or they somehow get a legal emancipation, which we do see occasionally, particularly in acting. Um, what worries me, honestly, about athletes is that they generally don't get those protections even. They, like a, a, an athlete that is a minor is a lot more likely, in my opinion, to be exploited not just at home but also at school by the people that are supposedly there watching out for their best interests. And so my one hope, I guess, in all of this – and I'm not, and again, we're talking about small amounts of cases. I think the vast majority of coaches and trainers and things like that are in it for the right reasons. But there's no controls. Uh, you know, there's there, there's no oversight oftentimes from schools, uh, you know, watching out in practices and watching out in the way that things things are being done. I, what I like about the idea that a high schooler would have some NIL rights, and, and I still maintain that they shouldn't have those rights be reserved by the schools. I, I still think that's something they should just have access to like any other human being, uh, even a minor. But I'm hoping that perhaps this brings some more people into the room so that we're not just taking it for granted that the people at school who are supposedly watching out for the kids' best interests are actually doing so. Right. I think we have learned over time that that is not necessarily the case. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, and those are all great points. And I do think I'm going to keep a close eye on this vote in North Carolina. We'll see what's going on. And it will be interesting to see what other points people are bringing up. Um, but I do like the idea of a little bit more protectionism, at least in terms of looking after the athletes in high school, being more concerned with, with their well-being, and well, less concerned with their you know pocketbooks. And the, the last thing I'll say, and then we can wrap up, is I agree. Like there, this, When I was talking about the infantilization of athletics – Let's treat it like a business. Like th there's there's market value here. Stop trying to act like it's 1955 and everybody's just doing this for for physical education and fun. Um, certainly, a lot of people are, but there's a lot of people in the mix who can and should make money because they have market value, and it's not a bad thing. And it's not a bad thing to teach not just the athletes but other people involved in the mix about how this works, how the marketplace works, how they can capitalize, and it's not just the rights of the school that should be in question. It's also the protection of the rights of the athletes in high school because, you know, it's not everybody. It might just be a small number of people, but it is something that needs to be minded like we would mind it with any other 
minor that's engaged in some kind of entertainment activity. So anyway, that'll wrap it up. A cheery episode here of, of the NIL hotline this time around. Oh, but we'll be back with more uh, later on in the week as uh, we've got some headlines to run down, talk about some of the stories that have been going on with name, image, and likeness. And if you've got questions or, or thoughts or comments, feel free to hit us up. At Dr. GC is still the best way to get a hold of us. There will be other ways that come up soon. Olivia, as always, a pleasure. Same to you. We'll talk to you all on the flip side. So long, everybody.